for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. Another episode of our power ranking segment that we've been grinding through ever so, uh, you know, swiftly through this summer. Uh, It's been a good time so far, and we are on our 22nd ranked team today. And anybody who's a longtime listener knows that I'm hyped for this episode. But, Jaden, how are we feeling? Uh, What's the hype level 1 to 10 to talk about my Washington Commanders at 22 today? Probably a 1, maybe a 2. Just because we know how you're going to ramble and just go on and on and on okay. and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Oh, is that what I do? Is that what I oh, contribute yeah, we've been to this a lot podcast? Of I'm getting hate mail. It's it's being addressed to my house. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we've been getting plenty of hate on YouTube and there's no, uh, no doubts to that and the Instagram, but you know, you with fame way. comes the hate. You know, yeah, exactly. Like we're getting more popular, we're popping off. All the haters are gonna say what they're gonna. We just got to do what we do, and what we're doing is the 22nd ranked Washington Commanders on the power rankings today. Uh, so super hype with that. Uh, but let's not spend too much time in the intro. Let's dive right into it, shall we? All right. So uh, as we've been doing uh, routinely with the other teams, we are covering the quarterback position to start for the Washington Commanders. And, I mean, there is definitely an argument to be said that over the last 20 years, uh, us and the Browns, and that's it. That's the short list of teams that have struggled at the quarterback position nonstop for the past 20 years. And I think you could say the Browns are worse. I mean, what would you say? The fact that... Because Deshaun Watson could very well be equal to what Donovan McNabb was when he came over from Philly. Like, Whoa, that, that could happen. That could happen here. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, that's it true. It could happen. Okay. I see it. But McNabb came fact, over at, like, 35. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> okay. All right. We did have our fact three that in the, town for a while. Yeah. So that, was, one, well, that was a good two years what was Maybe better, the RG3 years or the Baker Mayfield years? That That's a real conversation that needs to be had. Baker Mayfield won a playoff game. Right, he did. And I was going to say, like... I think you guys might be the worst. did make the playoffs. I'm trying to find so like, some, like, dark horse, like, Jacksonville, maybe, if you really want to start reaching a little bit, but they did have, um... Bortles, like, we never Jesus had Christ, a Bortles. Leftwich, they had Le- I mean, Bortles was awful he was like i know longest, well we never three. had somebody like Blake portals man even you had like RG3. that's the type of bad we're talking about and Bortles yeah. was longer than the rg3 it's era. it's definitely it i think it's watch i mean at least cleveland made that jump for watson it doesn't look like it's worked out now but we'll talk about that more once we get to the browns episode but yeah tw- last 20 years since the beginning of the new millennium i think washington's had the worst quarterback situation in the nfl yeah, and uh, honestly, it doesn't look like it's going to get too much better uh, this year. Obviously, uh, I'm optimistic in comparison to most people, 
Um, but we're rocking with our guy Sammy Howell this year, uh, fifth round pick um, in probably the worst quarterback class that we've seen um, in a long time. And yeah, so there's that. And I will say, all right, here's the case for Sam Howell. And I've told you this multiple times and I've told other people when they've asked, like Sam Howell, once upon a time, was the clear number one pick in that draft. The clear best quarterback prospect in that draft. And one of the better quarterback prospects to come out. Like in the past, like in that like range of five years, I would say. Like people were hype for Sam Howell, man. And he was going to be the next quarterback to make the jump to the NFL. Clearly, swiftly. But then in his senior season, he loses like every single one of his playmakers. And, you know, he has a bad year, which if you don't have good players, you tend to have a worse year than you did the year before. So there was a lot of question marks after that. Uh, His junior year was great. His senior year, a lot of question marks after that. And then he ended up being a fifth-round pick. So I still think there's a lot of potential there. We got to see him in one game last year at the end of the year, uh, showed some flashes. But I won't say that that was a huge sample size or anything. Um, but I feel good about Sam Howell. Like I think, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot more potential there that people want to give credit for. Sure, the floor is terrible. The floor is the worst quarterback in the league. But I think the ceiling's a lot higher than people want to give Sam Howell credit for. And if he does end up flaking out, we got Jacoby Brissett to come in and basically just be a game manager who will throw 200 yards a game, maybe a touchdown. And it'll be the same situation we've had in Washington for many, many years now. So I know your hate is a little bit more on Sam Howell. Uh, elaborate on that, man. What a, I gave such a glowing case. You serve up the opposite. So I'm not going to sit here and like run this you know, decision down to go with Sam Howell as a starting quarterback. Obviously, I think the clear-cut number one guy is a little bit unfair, but the kicker to that is that it was Spencer Rattler who was the other guy who was so bad that he didn't even come out of the draft. So I guess Sam Howell came out looking better than that, and he was i mean, he was being mocked as a top-five guy, and that was a guy that Washington, I'm sure, was looking at because they thought that they were going to be picking in the top five. They end up getting him in the fifth round, which I still think is phenomenal value for this guy because, like we said, he was at one point in time going to be that kind of player where you're talking about him in the top five, top eight, you know, type area uh, in the 2020 season. He is phenomenal, which leads to this hype. He's got a group of star-studded playmakers around him. He's got Javante Williams. He's got Michael Carter, both at running back. He's also got Diami Brown, which was the reason why I was looking at my phone for the last two minutes, was trying to figure out who that was. They also had Josh Downs, who got picked in the second or third round in this year's draft. So, There was a lot of talent on that North Carolina offense, and he ran that offense very, very well. And then in 2021, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Diami Brown all go to the NFL. They change the offense. They make him run a lot more option stuff. They turn him into a legit, like, running quarterback. Like, he's getting designed runs and shit all the time. He's being asked to blow through people all the time. They're not letting him do any traditional uh, drop-back passing stuff. So it made him a lot harder to evaluate in the same way that like there were concerns around Matt Corral, who came out in the same draft of like, well, what is he going to do when he has to run a real offense because he's just running this play-action boot shit all the time. So I think that is ultimately one of the main reasons why he fell to the fifth round is because nobody saw, like coming out of that 2021 season, nobody could see like 
it was so hard to evaluate his tape. But I still think that he's a good player. I think that he could finish higher than this 30th ranking. My problem with Washington is, and I kind of understand why they're doing it, and it's because this wasn't the 2022 offseason where Deshaun Watson becomes available, Russell Wilson becomes available. You know, there were rumblings of Derek Carr, there were rumblings of Kyler Wilson, all these quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers was, there were rumblings of him becoming available. This wasn't that. Aaron Rodgers obviously gets moved, but nothing else really happens as far as quarterback movement goes. Jimmy G as well. So it's not like they could have cashed in and be like, all right, we're doing three first-round picks for X quarter. Like if Kyler Murray wanted out, we're doing three first-round picks for Kyler Murray or three first-round well, picks for Lamar Jackson or something like that. They didn't have that we option. We tried something similar uh, with Russell with Wilson. Well, yeah, and Carson Wentz where, yeah. yeah. But they and they even had that trade where both teams agreed to the Russell Wilson deal or – they thought the terms were good, but Seattle didn't want to trade him in conference. And that's just, you know, that's Washington luck, quite frankly. Um, so they're going to roll with the fifth round pick. And while I think that's kind of strange process, you know, because they could have gone up in the draft to go get a quarterback. They could have taken Will Levis at 16. Um, they're going to roll with this. And quite frankly, I think this is Ron Rivera's job right here is in the hands of this kid because they can't keep disappointing. I, I think they would almost it's probably going to be a playoff win is what would be needed to have Ron Rivera keep his job. I don't even think a playoff appearance does it at this point. Um, They're sitting here at 22, which if you do some math and look at the standings, that is outside of the playoff picture. So they're going to need some steps up from Sam Howell to, uh, to we haven't, be, we haven't we'll get said there. like that we'll get for there. any other team that we've covered the power rankings for. And you just want to say it like that for us. All right, man. But, I, okay, I, I do think that Sam Howell will outperform this 30th ranking. I, I really do think that. I don't think he's going to, like, jump into the top 12 or anything like that. But, you know, would I be overly shocked if he was better than Kenny Pickett this year? I would not be overly shocked if that happened, as much as that pains me to say, as you know. I would not be overly shocked if that happened. And if that does happen, because Kenny Pickett is somewhere in the the early 20s right now, I think that Washington could be a playoff team. This is a weak NFC. They're not going to win their they're not going to win this division. Um, but they could definitely sneak in as a wild card where you're looking around at these, you know, there's two divisions where you can confidently say I I can't see a wild card team making it from that division. So the, it's definitely in play here, and this is the first team it feels like that we've really been talking about. I guess Carolina as a default because of their division. This is the first team we're talking about playoffs, um, and I know we're not quite there to like the team wrap up yet, but it, it really all does rely on Sam Howell. So I don't want to get too far into it because this is just the quarterback slide, and we're 10 minutes in. Yeah. No, I appreciate your emphatic and passionate speech right there. Uh, but – you know, if all goes to hell in a handbasket with Sam Howe, like if it's the absolute worst thing that's ever happened on a football field, that's, I mean, obviously that's not what we wanted. But we do have Jacoby Brissett to come in and provide just a baseline floor at like 25th best quarterback in the league around there and around that range. And he's like I said, he's going to throw 200 yards a game, maybe a couple touchdowns, and hopefully keep the interceptions to a minimum and he'll be super average. But I think Sam Howell could be a lot more than that. And we'll have the first part of the season to see uh, whether or not he can live up to my high expectations for Mr. Howell. Uh, But let's move on 
to the playmakers for the 2023 Washington Commanders. And we got to start with none other than the guy that I've repped his jersey on this podcast before. And uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league, man. And it's Terry McLaurin on the outside. Uh, We just gave him his money. Um, So we've got him locked up to be our wide receiver one for the foreseeable future. Uh, But a guy that could come in and possibly steal that role even this year is Johan Dotson. First round pick out of Penn State from last year. Um, I believe he only played in around nine games uh, due to injury. Yeah, something like that uh, this past year. Um, But while he did have a chance to play, he proved to be phenomenal electric all of the above um especially in the red zone i mean that duke was bringing down the touchdowns as a big target in the end zone uh for the qb uh <laughs> we went through our all qbs went heineke but he was consistent um for the offense last year and gotta love what he could carry forward into the future got curtis samuel too which I like to talk about him because we gave him a lot of fucking money. Uh, So we'll see if he can live up to what that free agent contract was. Uh, There was a lot of hype between Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin playing together. College teammates used to live in the dorm together. Like there was a lot of hype there. Obviously, it hasn't worked out so far. Uh, There was talk about Curtis Samuel being Debo Samuel. Uh, for a little bit, which seems like a joke now. Uh, but Curtis Samuel is pretty young. He's a lot younger than people would think. Um, but Logan Thomas is still there, probably last year him. And uh, got the running back situation in B-Rob and Anthony Gibson, uh, Tony Gibson. So who are we looking forward to seeing this year, man, from an outside perspective as not a commander's fan? Uh, it really is this wide receiver room. You know, if we were able to, if Instagram were to allow us to put a couple more slides in there, we would have broke this down positionally and we would have been breaking this down by wide receiver. And this would probably be in the top 10. Uh, obviously it sits right now at 21. And I think that's because of the running backs and tight ends. You know, we love to play this game where we try to list all the groups that are better than them. And while it feels like Washington should be higher than 21 when you account running backs and tight ends in, it really, you know, this is probably about right. Logan Thomas is probably one of the worst starting tight ends in the NFL. He had that flash in the pan season two or three years ago. Do you want to play? Do you want to play the game? We had no, somebody play. No, it we just had, makes me sad. We had somebody play just the game. makes co- me sad to hear it. We had somebody play the game in the comments the other day um, on YouTube. In a, I think it was tight ends. Probably, no, it was Mike Jacecki, remember? Because we did the Patriots. Um, oh, yeah, somebody okay. did the somebody did that with the uh, tight ends. We could actually go pull up that list. Was somebody supporting me? I don't. In the I'll tell you this: I don't think Logan Thomas was on the list of tight ends better than Mike Jacecki, and Mike Jacecki's playing backup to Hunter Henry. So, okay, we'll see fair. how long that lasts. Um, yeah, Brian Robinson have- and Antonio Gibson. I think that's a fine pairing. They complement each other very well. It could be very straightforward. Brian Robinson gets first and second down work. Antonio Gibson gets third down work. Um. But regardless, you're not getting a ton of dynamism from either one of those guys. I think Gibson is a great pass catcher, was a receiver in college, obviously. Um, and then Brian Robinson is fantastic runner of the football. It's really these three wide receivers. And, you know, if we want to talk about running game, Curtis Samuel does play a part in that. He, you know, I think he was given like 36, 37 carries last year or something like that. And I think that's probably going to continue into this year. I don't, I mean, it's not something I want to totally ignore. I'm not going to dive into it too heavily, but he is a factor in this running game. 
Um, Jahan Dotson had a very good rookie season. I think it was carried a little bit by the touchdowns. Um, but he's not like you're, you're not, he's not like Mike Evans or Mike Williams or one of those guys where you're just like, oh, he's just going to be a touchdown hawk every week. Um, he just was, you know, he's a smaller guy that just happened to score touchdowns last year, to be quite frank. But big play. Yeah. He's just, and it wasn't even like, he's not like catching like 60 yard touchdowns either. He just happened to score seven touchdowns in 12 games last year. Um, but he's still a good player. He, he was no, no, no. He's this is not like I'm not trying to dog him. It's just like he just when you hear stumbled into seven touchdowns. When you hear year. somebody with the touchdown numbers <laughs> that he has and the yardage that he had and the catches that he had, you think either a he's a jump ball touchdown you know ball winner or he is a deep threat that's going to catch one ball a game and it's going to be a seventy yard touchdown. He's neither of those. He's a really well rounded receiver that just happened to catch a lot of touchdowns. I think that I, he's definitely proved me wrong from where I had it. I did not think that he should have been the 16th pick last year. And, you know, he looks like he might be that number two receiver that they thought they were going to get Curtis Samuel. As far as Terry McLaurin goes, we know the story with him by now. I feel like to a certain degree, and it's not his fault, but the clock's ticking on like, you know, we've played this game with how many receivers at this point where it's like, well, we just got to get him a quarterback. You just get him a great quarterback and he'll be fantastic. Hopefully that guy comes soon in Washington for more reasons than just getting Terry McLaurin the production that he deserves because I'm dead serious when I tell you that if Sam Howell is a top 16 quarterback, we're talking about Terry McLaurin next to Jamar Chase, next to Justin Jefferson, next to Devontae Adams. He is that good. I'm dead serious. He's that good because he... He's really good, but he's, got, he's not... Dude, put put him in Jamar Chase's shoes. What what is he? What is Jamar Chase that much better at than Terry McLaurin? Terry McLaurin can oh. contort his body better Humble. to win balls. He's just as fast. He's a little bit lesser of a no, route runner. Dude. He's not as fast. As Jamar? He's not as fast as Jamar Chase. No, he's not. <sighs> Don't make me look at 40 he's times. He's not. If you go look at the 40s, I bet. Like, it's not the times. same. Like, I, I love Terry McLaurin, man. He's been my favorite commander or or football teamer or Redskin or whatever you want to call it uh, in the past five years, uh, maybe even longer. Like he is my guy. He is the face of the franchise uh, because we don't have a quarterback. But I will say, like, I think at this point, like it feels very similar to DJ Morris. Oh, you got you got something. I will say that Terry McLaurin is a little older now. Terry McLaurin ran a four three five. Jamar Chase ran a four three eight. Okay. Well, one of them's like four years older than the that. other one now. I get that. And it's they came out, Terry McClellan was 2019, Jamar Chase was 2021. I think they both came out as juniors. So, two-year age difference. I, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. If he was getting, if he was playing with Joe Burrow, if he was playing with Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, if they, if they were to trade him, he's one of the six or seven best receivers in the NFL. And he's going to produce like that, especially unless he's in an offense where it's like he's like a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle situation where he's with a guy who's also demands. And, and I think the same thing of Jalen Waddle, but that's a conversation for another day. I think Jalen Waddle is one of the six or seven best receivers in the NFL if you give him his own team and a good quarterback. Um, but like just to wrap up the playmakers group overall, this is still a very good group. 21 playmakers, like when you're 21st, that's not bad. I mean, we had the Bucks at 22. They've got two guys that have been Pro Bowl receivers. Um, there are there's talent. I mean, hell, the you make an argument the best receiver in the NFL is on a playmakers group that's ranked 27th. So it, it's really not that bad as you think when you see 
21, despite what people are going to think and are going to say in our comment section. Nah, everybody's going to be bought into the commander's playmakers, and there's going to be no discourse at all. That's how it's going to go. But I will say, I don't want it to sound, I don't want to go back and listen to this and think that I was a hater of Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin to death, man. And I do think that he is a top 10 talent wide receiver but like we don't we haven't really seen it like we see it on the field and we see the flashes and when he makes the big plays and all that but like he hasn't been like great receivers have had phenomenal seasons under back quarterbacks not and not he washington hasn't had not washington quarterbacks like okay think about the best receivers in the nfl right now cooper cup matt stafford Devonte adams had Aaron Rodgers, even with Derek Carr, who was awful last year, he produced. But Derek Carr is still better. You know than who I'm the thinking of? That, go, AJ Green. Like AJ Green had many Andy Dalton. He was a Andy Dalton. He was a top five wide receiver with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, dude. Andy Dalton was a top twenty quarterback in the NFL pretty much every season that he played. You guys have not had a top twenty quarterback since Joe Theismann. <laughs> Top 20. That's RG3. not even top half. Okay, one year, two years of RG3. Yeah. Alex Smith was also really good. Jesus Christ. He was fun. the playoffs. I don't care. Big Ben should have won comeback player of the year. Fuck it. I don't care. Big Ben should have won comeback player of the year. <laughs> Alex Smith fucking sucked we that season. He fucking sucked that year. And they gave him it because they felt bad. Sorry. I mean, that's got to what the award's designed for. Uh, but... Okay, I digress. We have a great <laughs> we have a great group of playmakers here in Washington this season. And uh, to wrap up the playmakers, like you were saying, I'll just say that I love Brian Robinson. I think he's a great in-between-the-tackles guy, a lot better than Antonio Gibson. But I think Antonio Gibson, when you said he doesn't bring a lot of, like, dynamism, because uh, we made that into a word, uh, I think Antonio Gibson brings a ton of dynamism. Uh, he, like you mentioned, he was a former wide receiver at Memphis, and you can use him in a shit You're ton of different Gibson ways. You're not giving Gibson 10 carries a game, especially with Brian Robinson here, who's not even that fantastic of a back in his own right, no offense, but, like, if Gibson was that dynamic, they wouldn't have drafted Brian Robinson, because they would be giving Antonio Gibson, because mm, he's a really good mm, receiver. I don't think, I don't think it's a question of his, di- like, how dynamic okay. he is. He fumbled the ball, like, six times, dude. Like, you gotta hold on to the football. Yeah, but he, now, he didn't fumble, I think that. it was from week five or week six on, he didn't fumble the football, but we gotta get rolling, because we're at 22 minutes. And yeah, you're right. All right. we're two we I, I mean, I I told you we are going to try to keep it under 50. We're almost halfway to 50, and we have gotten two of these seven, no, nine total slides. But very important slides to cover. Very important. But let's move on for sure. Great point made. And uh, let's move on to the offensive line, which I won't have nearly as, no, uh, nearly as much to say about uh, because I'm not as knowledgeable straight up. Uh, but, you know, we got our guys this year. We got uh, Leno coming back, uh, acquired him from Chicago. And um, he's been solid for us uh, as a tackle. And then at center, we got we got that Gates guy. But I really expected to be Ricky Stromberg, uh, the guy we drafted in the third round out of Arkansas. So hopefully he takes the job in camp. Uh, so we'll see there. Uh, and then we got Wiley uh, at the another tackle position. And he's, I would say, he's an above average tackle in the league. Um, and then Cosme, I'm excited about him coming back. He showed really good things last year. Um, and then I don't even know that really literally looks like Chris Paul and his name is Chris Paul. Uh, 
So gotta That's love that. Ball. But the guy behind him, <laughs> the guy behind him is uh, Shadiq Charles, who um, has always stepped in uh, for whoever on the line uh, falls out. Um, I think he he's even had some time at center um, at points in time. Uh, but I mean, this isn't a great O line group. I mean, Sheriff highlighted this O line group for a long time, and he hasn't been here in a couple of years. So not feeling great, especially with uh, Hal back there. But you got any points of optimism? I'm going to be honest, dude. I fucking hate this group. Like, <laughs> like the card. <laughs> What's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> you haven't talked about any other team this way. Oh my god! What's wrong with you, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. We're just with the all right. So the teams that we've got lower: the Cardinals have Paris Johnson, who I like. Peter Skaronsky with the Titans, I think, as a guard, is going to be great. The Rams don't have a whole lot, but we we grilled them enough, dude. But there's just like nothing here. We're like, there's almost no way that they go any higher than like 27th this season. And I like Sam Cosme. I even I deleted what Mitchell wrote to write about Sam Cosme. There you go. Okay. I like, All Sam right. Cosme. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. But it's that, just man. everywhere hey. else. It's just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I, I guess if Stromberg ends up starting, you're a little bit more excited. I think Chris Paul getting the nod at left guard is cool. You still got Cornelius Luke, uh, Charles Leno and Cornelius Lucas, along with Riley Reef, who we talked about last episode are your definition of band-aid tackles. And you have two of them. Andrew Wiley was the band-aid tackle for Kansas City for however many years. He's now here. I just, I don't get it. And I I think that corner was a need for them, for sure. But I'm trying to think who would have been available for them offensive line-wise in this draft. I don't really think it was anybody. Not really anybody unless we traded up. Karonsky are gone. Broderick Jones is gone. Darnell Wright went as well, so yeah. And I remember, I remember. Definitely could have picked up more though. Like we we drafted, and we'll get to it when we get to the defense. But we drafted uh, Martin out of Illinois, and I know he plays a different position than Forbes, but it kind of just feels like we drafted the same guy uh, consecutively, and then we could have gone like an Avila in the second round. Yeah, and that would have been made me really happy, but we didn't. So I agree, man. It's gonna be really rough this year. And this offensive line isn't designed uh, specifically for anything. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I fucking hate this group. (laughs) I got to start doing that more, I guess. It's unfair for me to do this to Washington. Uh, I guess I got to start doing that more to all these other teams. Yeah, especially I will, considering we're I, I will, man. I will be doing like We've that. already done so many episodes that you haven't with worse offensive lines. I will be doing this. I will be stopped. doing this next episode. I know that I have a group for next episode that I will be doing this for. Okay, so. great. Well, good to know that my team won't be the only one slandered. But since it's so bad, let's move on from the offensive line and let's dive into the front seven, which is far more exciting and it's a top five group in the league, according to the Blitz pod. And that's the highest ranked group easily uh, that we've had so far. Outside of and coaching for New England. But pl- as far as players go, this is the first top five group. First top ten group, right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. So super hyped to talk about them. I mean, 
we know the story by now. I've been talking about it on this podcast for two years. I mean, this defense on paper is monstrous. Is ridiculously scary. Let's uh, let's go around the block here. So Montez Sweat on the edge. Uh, gotta love him. He dropped. I mean, it was like 2017. Uh, kind of dropped out of the first round for character concerns. We picked him up, and he's been a great addition. Uh, De'Aaron Payne at tackle. You got Jonathan Allen there as well. And then you got Chase Young coming off the edge. Big prove-it season needed from him, man. I mean, I was clamoring for him to get traded this offseason. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. There's still a chance. We just don't need him, really. Like, if he's going to perform the way he performed when he came in last year, then I'd rather just pick somebody up off the street who doesn't have as big of an ego as Chase Young. Uh, So I don't know if he'll be a part of the future plans for Washington. Uh, but Jamin Davis is a uh, first round linebacker we drafted a few years back out of your truly Kentucky University. And then we got Barton at the other linebacker spot. I'm going to miss, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Holcomb, Chase Holcomb. Um, I'm going to miss him Cole. a lot, him. But so, oh yeah, Cole Holcomb. Yes, you're correct. Steals I can't even name my second linebackers. Jeez, it's terrible. But I'm super excited about this group, man. Do you share the same thoughts on Chase Young? Uh, are you excited about anybody in particular? What are we thinking here? I'm excited about this group uh, for sure. I think we definitely, for this front seven and for all the front sevens, I think us as a collective weighed the front four, the front five, whatever. And I'm going to be honest, like when I was putting this together, I was like, I'm going to feel like an idiot if anyone points out the fact that the headline on it is front seven and there's six players on here. I'm going to feel like a dumbass, but that's just the kind of front that Washington runs. They don't have, yeah. they don't run seven guys in the box. Um, but fuck it, what am I going to do? Um, I like the linebacker room. Honestly, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on Jamin Davis than a lot of people. He really turned it on towards the end of last year. He figured out kind of how to see and hit which he wasn't doing like it he just couldn't bring guys to the ground towards the end of the year he was really starting to hit guys uh and finish out tackles obviously (laughs) this front four is if chase young is even half of what you hope he's going to be like the main one of the main comps that i heard a lot about him coming out of college was to davian Clowney because like you couldn't always see the pass rush tools but you knew that he is an athletic freak and the motor's never not going to be there. At very worst, he's going to be a fantastic run defender the same way that Jadavian Clowney is. Um, and we're kind of starting to see that Jadavian Clowney career path where he comes in his rookie year, he is dominant, and then you're just like, well, we just need a little bit more, and you never get it. And, you know, obviously the injury hurts that a little bit, and then the recovery from the injury hurts that even more. Um, if Chase Young is... You know, let's say he's worse than Montez Sweat next year. This is still one of the best six or seven defensive lines in the NFL. If he returns number two pick value, like if he shows that he's that guy, we're talking about like ten years from now we'll be talking about one of the best. Yeah, we'll be ten years from now we'll be talking about the commanders defensive line. Because like Jonathan Allen is one of the four or five best defensive tackles, interior rushers in the NFL. Deron Payne is one of the, I don't know, six or seven best run stoppers on the interior in the NFL. Montez Sweat has become a number one edge rusher in his own right. And Chase mm-hmm. Young can be even better than that guy with the athletic tools that he has. So Chase Young, I, I think I, I'm finding a hard time finding a more prove-it guy in the entire NFL than it is for Chase Young, especially with the expectations and what 
his development could mean for like maybe outside of quarterback positions for different teams, like what he could mean for this team if he figures it out and becomes who we think he can be. I mean, again, this is like a le- this is a legacy line if he can figure it out. Um, but again, even if not, we're still talking about one of the six or seven best units in the N- front seven units in the NFL, and is going to be the driving factor in this team's success. If not, I don't want to say if they have any. But whatever success they have, this will be a driving factor of it. Thank you for being so considerate in the way you put that. Makes my heart feel a lot better. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit everything nail on the head. I mean, everything. It's one of the biggest prove-it years we've seen recently out of any player uh, to go that high in the draft and to have that much stock uh, before. I mean, he was expected to be like Lawrence Taylor type best defensive player ever to come out like that's the kind of all right are you debating i mean jadavion Clowney was looked at that way i don't remember anybody talking about chase young like lawrence taylor lawrence taylor won an mvp on defense yeah bro but i I think there were the hype there was hype the hype around a defensive player coming out of college name like three other ones like it's jadavion Clowney, miles garrett each of the Bosa brothers, first and foremost, and Miles okay. Garrett, and J. Davian Clowney. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. And I mean, that's, I, that's it. Just, like in the past, like yeah, but that's, fifteen yeah. years. But nobody was saying Lawrence Taylor. Let's okay. No, All right, we will my not, bad. There will not be any Lawrence Taylor teardowns in this conversation. Okay. Understood. Okay, that's fair. But huge prove it season, regardless for Chase Young. And I think John Mean Davis is going to have a breakout season this year, man. I mean, he had – the reason we drafted him in the first round in Kentucky was because he had the tools. I mean, he could cover, like, 30 feet in, like – I mean, he was teleporting on the field. And you could see that in year one. But it wasn't translating to on-field success, you know, like actual – like like you said, seeing somebody and bringing him down to the ground. Those were the basics that were bringing him a lot of trouble in the year one. He definitely improved in year two. And he could be – like another, I mean, he's definitely not as physical, but he could be the best middle linebacker we've had since London Fletcher. So we'll see how that shakes out. But let's dive into the secondary unit as we need to keep it rolling on the Washington Commanders. But it's my passion project. I'm so lovingly uh, adoring talking about this team. I'm sorry. Uh, but this secondary, it's not going to get any better because I love this group as well. Uh, we've got them ranked 25th. Um, but I definitely have them outperforming expectations. Uh, they got Kendall Fuller on the outside. Uh, gotta love him. I mean, he's been a classic vet who's been around for a long time. Uh, and then we drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round out of Mississippi State. Um, big play guy. I mean, he was nicknamed Mr. Pick Six by the SEC. I saw him return a pick six against Kentucky in person. Uh, which was not too fun to see at the time. Uh, but rewatching it during the draft highlights was better the second time around. Uh, but big play guy, uh, a lot of the talk from the GM was, uh, or President Jason Wright, uh, was that we didn't have like a guy that could, uh, we weren't very good at converting turnovers uh, on the defensive side, even though we had one of the best units in the league. And Emmanuel Forbes will help out a lot with that. And so will our second round pick, uh, Javarius Martin out of Illinois, who will probably play nickelback for us, probably not on the outside. 
but then our safety group is also still really solid. I mean, Derek Forrest burst onto the scene last year. Love him. Um, and then Cam Curl has been one of the highest rated safeties in the league by PFF the last couple seasons. Uh, and also St. Juiced. I mean, he'll be a great cornerback as well on the outside. But I've got high hopes for this unit, man. I think 25th is a little disrespectful. But what's your reason? Do you want to play the game, Kane? Of corners? Of, like, secondary? I, I don't want to – it was a rhetorical question because I don't want to play the game. <laughs> we are at a time limit in which in some episodes we're stopping. Yeah. But yep. um, it's it's going to be very interesting because – so they're going to run this off, uh, off-man quarters type coverage – which was the only scheme that Emmanuel Forbes could be going to. If you, if a team that plays man coverage or really anything other than off coverage, Emmanuel Forbes isn't even a draftable prospect because of how slight he is at 6'1", 160. I know he's been moving up in weight, and I'm sure he's going to be. But, like, and it's something that, like, when you're talking about analysis for him, for, like, the people that like him, just gets completely glossed over. How's he going to tackle? How's he going to tackle A.J. Brown? Like, is it just going to be like, can somebody come get this guy for me? It's been overblown. The statements have been overblown about his weight. Mitch has not been able to be quiet about it uh, every time that his name comes up. He came in at like 160-ish at the Combine. And then by the time he was taking pictures for the team at uh, Media Day, he was 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. So... I and feel like good. I said I think I feel there's good. going to be some fluctuation in his weight, and he is going to be a big time producer of turnovers. This was a guy who, in five in his last five years of football, so four years in college and dating back to high school, he's got 32 picks in five years of football. Dude. He's playing what 10, 12 games a season. It's like a pick almost every other game, if not a little bit more. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Like that's very very good. So the ball production that you're going to get from a corner is going to be very. You know, this is could be one of the best ball hunters in the league. Um, you worry about his coverage ability a little bit. You're going to have to run off zone when he's on the field all the time. Um, Kendall Fuller, I do think, is a good mentor for him, though. I think bringing him in with Kendall Fuller, who's ran that same scheme for a while, has been a vet in this league, um, and is not really a super big guy himself, um, can give him a lot of pointers and can really help him out here. Um, do not look up a pay- picture of Jartavius Martin. Do not do not do it after leaving this video. Please don't look up a picture of Jartavius Martin. Um, I'm scared. I don't know what you're talking just about. Just don't do it. Um, <laughs> but another rookie starting here for Washington. Um, I think he's a solid player. You go with him in your first, um, what, two of the first three picks, or was it the first two picks for those two? It's first two picks. First two picks. So, first two picks. Again, they needed some upgrades in the secondary, and I think that they're really buying in on defense again. Uh, Derek Forrest and Cam Curl, I think, are two of the least talked about, really, really good players in the NFL, both playing you know, safety for the same team. Derek Forrest was very good last year, really came onto the scene, and Cam Curl has been grading towards the top of the league for like the last three or four years, and when the best safety in the league gets brought up, he's not even in the top ten. Um, right. So I think it's disrespectful. we need to start talking about this safety duo a little bit more. You know, as I was doing some write-ups and doing some research for the safeties and every, you know, this secondary as a whole, I did feel like 25 was a little low just because of how much these safeties are All right. underrated. Um, All right. But Let's go, Emmanuel man. Forbes is like, 
it's not wasn't talked about as much, but he is going to be one of the biggest boomer bust prospects that came out in this class because he's either going to be really good or he's going to be an absolute disaster. Like I just I don't think there's any middle ground for him in the NFL. But like you said, I mean he's gonna be he's not gonna be playing man coverage. Like we're gonna set him up off ball and he'll just be able to like run around the field, you know, and wreak havoc and rack up like hopefully a pick a game like he did in college. That's a ridiculous clip, by the way. Uh, but I will say that we have St. Juice, man, and St. Juice is decently good at playing man coverage. So we still got Fuller, still got St. Juice. And then if we could just run around Emmanuel Forbes and uh, Martin around the field and to get picks, like I said, they're obviously Forbes is a much better player, much more productive in college, but I feel like these are two similar archetypes. And uh, if we could just let those two guys run around the field and hopefully create some turnovers, that'd be great. And I think we're set up everywhere else. So I appreciate you saying that 25 wasn't respectful enough. We got to find the Mitch and Tyler just hate them. I think that was probably it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on from the secondary group and let's dive into coaching. And we don't really have to spend too much time on this because we covered at the beginning of the episode. This is really make or break here for Ron Rivera. Uh, The Riverboat Ron era in Washington. It started off super hype. I mean, I was super excited to have Ron Rivera as my head coach. Um, It should be a lot better this year because we have a new offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They've like won a bunch of Super Bowls lately uh, under this guy called Eric Bieniemy. Um, I won't say under because Andy Reid is the head coach. Uh, but Eric Bieniemy was a huge contributor in Kansas City success. Uh, it was a big point of speculation as to why he wasn't getting a job uh, anywhere else, why he wasn't getting a head coaching job. Uh, so we took a stab at him at offensive coordinator. How I think it's going to work out is Ron moves more to like a front office role and we have uh, the enemy kind of manning the coaching responsibilities this year. Uh, and then on at defensive coordinator, we still got Jack Del Rio. Honestly, for him and Ron, it's big time prove it years. I mean, Del Rio's had the best defense, one of the best defenses on paper in the league for the past three or four years and hasn't been able to do much with it. So... He needs to prove it, and if not, probably be enemy steps in as the head coach after this year. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, and I don't feel terrible about that. So, I mean, probably one of the hotter seats in the NFL. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think his uh, he, he might be the hottest seat in the NFL right now just because of how long he's been there. Like, we look at all these teams with coaches at the bottom. They've all been there for maybe their first-year guys. Maybe they're in going into year two. Ron Rivera, I believe, is going into year five here in Washington. And, you know, you got one playoff appearance to show for it. I know that you've got zero good quarterbacks to show for it. But, you know, at a certain point, it might just be time. You know, you need something new. Uh, I do think that either both Rivera and Jack Del Rio are going to be on the uh, staff next year or neither of them will. Because if Ron Rivera keeps his job, it's going to be because, like I said earlier, they win a playoff game or – you know, have a really good season, and they don't have a really good season unless this defense is hitting on all cylinders. So both of those guys are either going to be here next year or not. Uh, I like this move for Eric Bieniemy. It's a real bet on yourself because it was, the I think, one of the main reasons why he wasn't getting head coaching offers was because it's impossible to discern what 
was Eric Bieniemy and what was Andy Reid or what was Eric Bieniemy and what was Patrick Mahomes like you've got one of the two or three best offensive minds in the NFL for the last what 20 25 years in Andy Reid and you've got you know one of or the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes out there throwing the ball for you so it's really kind of hard to pinpoint and say that Eric Bieniemy did this because you really can't um, and I think that's a main reason why he's not been getting those offers because teams don't want to bet on that. Because if he's really different when he's gone from Andy Reid and nobody else has Patrick Mahomes in the NFL to do what he does. But if he can turn a good offense out from this group with Sam Howe can make some have Sam Howe make some strides for them. I think he'll be in the head coach running next year, whether it be for Washington after a Ron Rivera exit or whether it be for somebody else. But you know, he was never going to get a head coaching job playing or coaching in Kansas City just because it's really hard to pick out what he does and what Andy Reid does. Uh, but all in all, again, you've you've this is a put up or shut up season for uh, Ron Rivera as well as Jack Del Rio and really even for Eric Bieniemy as well because if Eric Bieniemy comes out and you know they're having some play calling problems or this offense is just completely stagnant, can't really do anything. Eric Bieniemy might not get another shot because then everybody's going to be, it's kind of like the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady thing where it's like, you see one season of, and you're like, Oh, it was Tom Brady. Well, now it's going to be like, Oh, it was Andy Reid or it was Patrick Mahomes. It's not Eric Bieniemy, even though it's a little unfair because he's going from a guy who's in our, let's just for the sake of uh, not spoiling it, is in our top tier of quarterbacks to a guy who's number 30 in the quarterback rankings. So, going to be really, really interesting to see what... Spoiler, Patrick Mahomes is, is one of the is, best quarterbacks yes, in the NFL. Yes, again, for the sake of not spoiling, <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but, oh, going to be very interesting to see what they're doing. Also, you got to remember, new ownership coming in. New ownership could want a new coaching staff in here as well to kind of change things up from the uh, highly successful ways of the Washington Commanders over the last few years. Left hand up, who are we? We're the commanders. That's how we ride. Uh, last thing I'll say is, um, oh, dude, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I think this offense will be the best-looking offense that we've seen in a while. It should, under Eric Bieniemy, just as far as, like, how creative we're getting and, like, the kind of stuff we're doing. Like, I mean, I can't – we're going to have fun stuff schemed up for Gibby this year. Like, he's going to be a nice component of this offense – and, like, there will be more of Curtis Samuel running out of the backfield. And, like, it'll be exciting to see how this offense is put together by the enemy this year. But, all right, let's wrap it up. Let's dive into the schedule and the uh, rankings after that. Uh, but strength of schedule this year for the Commanders is eighth, which is definitely going to be rough because we uh, play in the NFC East. So that is what it is. Comes with the territory. Our over-under right now is set at six and a half wins. Uh, we've seen some seven and a half wins, uh, but this is lower than that, obviously. And as you look at the schedule, you can definitely understand why the over-under is set there. And, I mean, I got to go over, right? I mean, <laughs> I got to. It's... My my head probably wants to bet the under, but the defense is going to – if the defense plays to its full capability, like it's capable of doing, then they'll keep teams to low scores, and it'll just be kind of like a really low-scoring defensive slugfest in which we come out with a couple of games. Like, I don't know. What do you think? 
I don't know, man. This is one of the tougher ones because it is six and a half, which is not a extremely difficult bar to clear. But a lot of these games that I think would be toss-ups, Denver, um, New England, Seattle, they all, all got to go to Denver, New England, Seattle. And those are some of the toughest places to play in the NFL. And if they were hosting them, I think they're favored in those games, but since they're on the road with that environment, I mean, like Denver is on a crazy streak of just like being phenomenal in September, not to mention they're going to be at home. Um, so I think we might have to chop that one up as an L as crazy as to say is like Washington and Denver aren't really that far apart. Um, New England, Seattle, those games. I mean, I'm looking down the schedule. I think Arizona, especially in week one where you're guaranteed no Kyler Murray, I think that's your closest thing to a large favorite at all this season. And after that, man, I don't know if I see another big favorite for the rest of the year. Even looking down the schedule at L.A., you've got to go on the road to them. Maybe they figured some stuff out by then. On the flip side, maybe everybody's injured and done for the year by then. So who really knows? Um, But I, I just, it's, this is, I mean, this is the eighth hardest schedule in the league for a reason. There's a lot of rough games on there. And while it is a very weak NFC, and this is a team that, despite some of the things that I've said, this is a team that I generally do believe in. I believe in Sam Howe. I believe in this defense. I don't know if they can get to six and a half, man. I, 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 I don't know if they can get to seven. They didn't get to seven last year. Or they did get to seven last year. But I don't know. I think it'll be another story where we have a bunch of teams in the NFC East that have over – six wins, seven wins, and there's going to be teams that, like, don't make the playoffs. I, like, this is going to be a really competitive division, and I, I'll definitely take the over on six and a half, as I sit here and mull it over. Um, I got to, uh, first of all, because ride or die, but, I mean, we got the Falcons, the Bears, like, those are winnable games. I think we take one from the Giants, probably. I think we probably take one from the Cowboys. Then we got the Rams. Like, I mean... And the Broncos, the Cardinals? I don't think you so take one from the seven. Cowboys. Really? Not one? You know how I feel about the Cowboys. Didn't we last year? Yeah. It was the last okay, week then. of the season when the Cowboys, while they did run their starters out, didn't have anything to play for. And you got the, new, and you got the new quarterback thing with Sam Howell. You got like the backup quarterback fallacy of... Yeah, who is this guy? We've got yeah, but I think guy. overall you, you brought we're that term. You brought that term into my life. I never, I'd never heard of the. I mean, like I understood the concept, but I never heard of it called the backup quarterback fallacy until you brought it to me. And now it's coming back to bite yeah, you. Man. I forget where I heard that. I don't want to take credit for that. Like I heard that somewhere, but okay, I we, forget where I heard it. I, I take so many photoshops; it doesn't even matter. We're not. Yeah, we're not in the business of. I take, I take away here. so many jersey swaps; it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's as we go farther into stardom and receive even more hate. I'm sure we'll start to receive the copyright infringement yeah, we'll, notices we'll as well. Be receiving so. some lawsuits here shortly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, let's uh, start to wrap up uh, the Washington Commanders at 22 this year. Uh, so the offense across the board for the Blitz Pod is at 23, and then the defense across the board is at 12. And it's hard to believe that we have those two rankings overall, and then the team ends up at 22. I mean, obviously, I guess offense is way more. So, all right, whatever. But 
wow, you didn't even give us a uh, a year estimate on the championship window. It's just closed. It's straight up. It's very hard because I didn't want to do like the not quite yet thing because it's not like they've got a even a Justin Fields or like a Bryce Young in the building. Like I think I did close for the Colts. Um, and this We're is the quarterback fir- away. This is the first time you I did say not quite. This yet. is the first time I've yeah, but. You guys, would you have been not quite yet for the last 30 years? You could, be, you could have played this game no, for 30 years. All of the young defensive guys are, like, at their primes now. Like, we've got uh, we've got our wide receivers paid. I'll tell like, you. We've got playmakers. If you figure out It's just a quarterback and offensive line. If you figure but. out quarterback, it opens right away. Like, you, if you guys traded for Aaron Rodgers this year, be open right now. But you didn't. We're here with Sam Howe. If Sam Howell is that guy, I, I don't think that... And Jacoby Brissett! Right? Don't forget. And even if Sam Howell is whatever you want to call that guy, um, depending on how much of that guy he is, maybe it is next year. Maybe it's two years. Maybe he's not that guy, and we're right back here again next year talking about, man, this team is just a quarterback away. And hell, by the, let's say you draft the quarterback next year. By the time he's ready to go, at least one of that defensive line is gone because you can't pay all of them. At least one of those receivers is gone because you can't pay all of them. Hell, probably, you know, you might be, there's a world where you don't have Jahan Dotson or Chase Young in two years. And the quarterback situation still might not be figured out by then. It was tough because I, you know, am very big on conformity. And I've put a year estimate for every single team so far, but I literally could not put a number on when the commanders are going to be in a championship window because I don't know. Like there's no trajectory to look. I have no idea where they are in this circle. They could be here. They could be here. I have no idea. That's fair. And I totally understand that because you look at the roster and if you take, if you blank out the quarterback position and you look at the roster, you would say that this window is open, no matter who the quarterback is. But then you look at our quarterback, and you close it. And I understand that. It, it, you're right, man. Like It's so weird because we've got coaches on like the hot seat, so that technically yeah. closes. And that's, that means like, our window is far like away. Like you said, 23 yeah. and 12 doesn't really equal out the 22 average, but – the quarterback being at 30, which, I mean, we didn't really put together an exact formula, but that's at least 30 to 40% of what matters here. The coaching also matters, and they're in the bottom quarter in the NFL for that as well. So I think – I really do think 22 is a fair ranking for Washington. I think there have been some rankings that we've had so far that have been a little estranged. I had to uh, argue with somebody about the Raiders' offensive line for God knows how long today. Um and I thought we were high on the Raiders' offensive line. I thought we were a little bit early to the party on them at 19, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, if you want to uh, get some entertainment, uh, go ahead and check out uh, the comments Raiders fans have been leaving for us at the Blitz Pod. Uh, hasn't been so nice. Uh, but, you know, we fought back with great vigor, and it's been it's been great. This is all part of fame and success, and I hope that plenty of that comes for Sam Howell and the 2023 Washington Commanders. So, with that, we will catch you guys on the 21st-ranked episode. Uh, I don't even know who it is off the top of my head because I was so excited to do the Commanders episode. But we will figure it out, and when we do... I didn't say it.
See you later, guys. Yeah, I know, dude. I'm good. I'm good at not spoiling. Thank you. I didn't say that Patrick Mahomes was an elite level quarterback, so that's good. But we will catch you guys later. It's been real. Peace.